Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Morning, everybody. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome. If you have a Bible, we're in 1 Thessalonians together. Grab your Bible. You ready to open and wrap this book up? We're going to wrap up 1 Thessalonians together this morning. If you need a Bible, our ushers are uh, in the aisles. Just wave them down and happy to share a copy of God's Word with you. Uh, exciting time, exciting month ahead of us, the month of October, and so much going on here at the church. Great things that are taking place. Uh, thrilled to have you a part of it. Uh, Dodgers are in the postseason. Anyone excited about that? All righty then. Uh, Lakers won last night, beat Golden State. I don't know if you're happy about that. The Kings lost last night. That's what you're all bummed about. I know. You're, uh, Stanford pulled out a win. Didn't see that one come. Liverpool won in the 94th minute. And the Lord Jesus Christ is about to return. Amen to that? Amen to that. Okay, the point last week was this. Don't sleep through the rapture. <laughs> you don't want to sleep through this. Wakey, wakey. You want to like be ready. It's going to come. It's about to happen. It's imminent. So in order to be ready, you got you to gotta get ready. And that's what Paul's talking about here in chapter 4 and now into chapter 5. To live expectantly, okay? And, and uh, to realize that uh, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Like Pop-Tarts. They're going to rise they're going to rise right out of the grave. They're going to pop. And then we who are alive and remain are going to get caught up in the air with them to meet with the Lord and to, to always be in his presence. So in honor of last weekend, we have Pop-Tarts today. We have Pop-Tarts at the coffee bar. And uh, the, the whole idea that we are, we're loving this. I mean, it's communion. We're just in God's word. We're seeing this barley thing appear before it's like amazing harvest it's end time rapture and we're loving living for the lord's appearing we need to be loving the idea of living for this more than we're living for anything else and i know that sort of pulls you out of the mainstream because everyone's kind of living for themselves and living for here and living for now we're not living for here and we're not living for now and we're not living for ourselves we're living our lives, loving to be living for the Lord's appearing. Amen? Amen to that, church? In fact, uh, not everyone is saying that. Here's a couple of quotes. Here's a couple of thoughts. There's a book out right now called Left Behind and Loving It. Can you believe there's actually a book? I'm saving you the money. It's horrible. It's nonsense. It's like... Uh, left behind and loving it. And he, he says there on the cover, a cheeky look at the end times. There's nothing cheeky or fun about being left behind. And yet you have sort of like this, um, a crazy sort of, of theological wave that is washing through the church where uh, end times prophecy and a lot of what we're studying here from God's word is either being ignored or, or overlooked or laughed at. And um, if that book isn't enough, like save yourself the time and money. It's, it's nonsense. Here's another, here's another thing. Uh, Rob Bell, who sadly continues to sort of be this uh, 
uh, generational spokesperson for a lot of millennials just seem to like really love this guy and follow this guy. Why, I don't know, because here, look what he says. And I'm quoting from a recent article that he, I think it was in um, a Relevant Magazine, but his, certainly his quote, look what he says. Disconnection, disconnection has been the dominant way that people have understood reality, to disconnect, all right? And the church has contributed to that disconnection by preaching horrible messages about being left behind and that this place is going to burn. Absolutely toxic messages that are against the teaching of scripture. End of quote, Rob Bell. He's an idiot. He absolutely is not in touch with this book that I am urging you to not just open word together here, but every single day as the map and compass of your life. He, he, he is not doing that, and sadly, a lot of people are being left astray as a result. Suffice it to say, we have an opportunity now to see what the Lord would say to his church. And as Jesus himself would say in all of his letters to the church, May we this morning have ears to hear what the Spirit would say uh, to the church. Because certainly for us today, what Paul lays before the church in Thessalonica has become even more timely and, 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 and relevant for us, for our generation, and for our time in living in these last days. So, uh, pick it up with me right where we left off, and we're going to uh, finish up this book and then jump right into 2 Thessalonians as we continue in this, in, this eminent, uh, in this eminent series. So we left off in verse 11 last time if you were with us, and, uh, and what he does now as he wraps this book up is, is very practically uh, gives them a to-do list if you will, of things that um, he's wanting them to not only remember, but to put into play. And um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so his word is living and active, and, and, and what Paul says to them, I truly believe with all my heart, and, and uh, thinks simply by the fact that you are here this morning, um, is, is a most timely uh, and relevant message for us as well. Verse 12, and we urge you. Look what he says, we urge you. In other words, seriously take this to heart. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. Now that word admonish there in verse 12 is an interesting word. It either like, can mean to build one up, to encourage one, to instruct one, or it also means warning, to warn you. And he's like, um, don't ignore that. Don't let that sort of like go in one ear and out the other. He's, like, he's, 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 he's wanting for there to be a receptivity to what's being spoken, certainly concerning this subject and topic that is before us where, where last day's events are concerned. He's like, the ones that are instructing you in this, don't blow them off. 
Paul's words. Those that are over you in the Lord, who are warning you, who are instructing you, who are admonishing you, and to esteem them very highly, like, like this should be really lifted up. And not just me, but I mean, this, 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 this whole matter of us gathering together and being in church and encouraging each other and celebrating communion. And um, Paul would say in, a, in, a, in an earlier letter, he would say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the matter of some, but being together, rallying together all the more as we see, as we see what? As we see his return so close at hand. And esteem that, esteem that highly. Make it, uh, you know, not just something that when it fits will go, but as the lead top story in your life, the priority. He's like, esteem this. Not, not to like boost somebody's ego. It's not about the person. It's about the position. It's about this, it's about this format of gathering together and, 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 and submitting ourselves under the teaching of the Word of God and allowing this to be what guides us. He's like, yeah, esteem that, esteem that very highly in love for, and, and it's Pastor Appreciation Month. You know, whatever you want to do with that, but, but it's sort of like, it's this that's being spoken of, not that nonsense of, you know, it's, it's, if it's not the Word of God, there's not much to esteem. So this is what he's lifting up, and to lift it up highly, to lift it up and just be in love with this. And... Um, and to not miss it. And, and he says this, and be at peace among yourselves. That speaks so loudly to the world that's watching. That we're not bickering and fighting and causing division, but we're really in this seeking the heart of God and all that we're living for at peace among yourselves. All right. And then he goes through this. Here's the to-do list beginning in, in verse 14. He actually repeats himself now in verse 14. He says, and we exhort you brethren, to warn those who are unruly. So, so he's like, esteem those that are warning you. Esteem and, and respect those that are in that, in that position of, of, of bringing a word of, 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 of exhortation, of instruction, of encouragement, of, and, 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 and then take that and, and so do likewise. He's like, he's, he's like, and you go and warn. You, you, it's the same word. Literally the same word in verse 14 that was used in verse 12. That there are those that the Lord has placed over you that are bringing guidance and bringing instruction and, and, uh, and warning you. And, 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 then, and then he's like, he's like this. He's like, and don't let that go like unnoticed. Because what you need to do with that is run with that. Run with that so that now you're warning those, warning those who are unruly and comforting those who are faint-hearted and upholding the weak and being patient with all. Verse 15, and see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Oh, I'm going to get them back. Oh, some good divine retribution. No, no, put that sword down. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Few more things on the list here. Verse 16, rejoice always and pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, 
it's the whole list that's the will of God, not just the last thing on the list. The last thing on the list is really, really cool, and we need to be doing that. We need to be doing that all the more. Doing what? Giving thanks in everything. But it's not just the last thing on the list, it's the entirety of the list. It's the context of the Lord now for last days living and living as we're living, living to love His soon appearing, we live like this. For living like this is literally the will of God. The will of God for you and for me in Christ Jesus. And, 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 and verse 19, and don't quench the spirit and don't despise prophecies, but test all things and hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So there's a list of to-dos and a few things not to do. And, and, and I, I just sort of see this almost as uh, I fly a lot, I, and a lot of you fly a lot. We have a lot of pilots in the church, actually, that fly us where we're going. We had a pilot here last night that just got back from Shanghai, and Martin's here, and he's a pilot, and Newman, and, and, um, and Turk was here, and we, got, we seem to have a lot in the airline industry, and I'm, I'm on planes a lot, maybe you're on planes a lot, and I kind of like look at this list here that Paul sets before the church, almost like a pre-flight checklist. You know, whether you're like on a big jet, a small jet, commercial, private, there's always a pre-flight checklist. And I think the pre-flight for us is the rapture. We're about to take off. We're about to pop up. We're about to launch. And so here, Paul, realizing that, gives to the church a, a, little, a little checklist, a little pre-flight checklist, sort of like, uh, I don't know, like instruments. You've got your instrument rating there, and you could almost like, feel as if we're, we're sitting in this jumbo wide body right now. You remember window seats. Look at it. <laughs> and uh, you had greeters, you know, who greeted you, sort of like those that, you know, worked the front desk at the airport, and they're just like greeting you. You've got like um, the welcome table, which is sort of like our customer service, right? You're getting like this whole theme, you know, and it was like, this jet's about to take off, man. This church is about to get raptured. I actually think... Um, there's, there's an airline called Horizon Air. Have you heard of this one? <laughs> or or the, uh, I think one out of Denver called Spirit Airlines. That's the flight you want to be on. Spirit Airlines. So let's just kind of like look at this as if, in fact, it is a, a little like pre-flight. Wouldn't it have been cool? I mean, you got these ushers work in the aisles like flight attendants, right, weren't they? And, and they would have really, really been on their game if they were handing peanuts out and pretzels. And, and, uh, and I'm not the pilot, okay? So, like, Jesus is the pilot of this thing, man. It's Jesus that we're looking at, you know? And if you were, like, just sitting in your row, you're in your seat, you boarded the plane, you're kind of, like, looking through the cockpit, and, and, uh, and, and here we go, Lord, we're, we're ready for takeoff. And he gives you this, like, pre-flight checklist just to sort of, like, work your way through and, and, uh, and make sure all is set. We got security here on campus. We got security to make sure that we're safe and you're safe. I think our security is better than TSA. Our food certainly is better. Our food's great here. And, 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 and we actually have like a prayer team. This is kind of funny. We have a prayer team that would love to see you lose your luggage today. 
They're praying you'd lose your luggage. Like, why, why would you go into another week carrying all the weight of that? Because you don't want anything in your life that would like hold you back or hold you down. They're, they're, they're like helping you lose your baggage. Lose the weight of everything that would entangle you and ensnare you and, 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 and hold you back. And, and I'm just, I don't know about you, I'm just happy to be aboard this bus. I'm happy to be on this plane. But what about those who aren't? And he's like, oh, well, let me give you a pre-flight checklist for that. And, and uh, I'm just like the guy with the PA that just comes on, you know, when you're there in the terminal. And it's like, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, a little announcement. And if I, if I just had the PA as the announcer, I would, what would I announce? I would just, I think I, I, I would announce that time is short. This plane's going to take off. And to, and, 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 and to have you and I really sincerely to have that same heart of concern and compassion that Noah has for his community, knowing that that door to the ark isn't always going to stay open and it is, in fact, indeed going to start to rain. And gives to us how we're to be living. I would be announcing that over the PA. I would be like, this is how we're to be living, you guys. Here's an end times checklist, pre-flight, last days beatitudes. Here, here's, here's the attitudes for living that you and I need to have. In fact, there's nine of them. There's nine of them. It's like we looked at quickly, and we'll just sort of like review them real fast. In fact, there's nine in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the Beatitudes of his, of his ministry, what it looks like to be his followers. And I think Paul follows that up now in the last days at the end times with a, 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 a list of nine. Why not? It's 2019. There's nine of them. There's nine Beatitudes. There's nine end time Beatitudes. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. There are nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. It's worth considering, you guys, how He lays before the church. You and I are to be living in front of a watching world knowing this jet's about to take off. And it's not really even a jet. It's like even more of like a spacecraft, you know, and you're like, oh man, we're not even gonna need engines to get to where we're going. We're just gonna lift off and how much it should be our heart to take as many people with us on this flight as possible, okay? Okay, so how does he call us to live? Well, let's look at him. In time, beatitude number one, be warning. Be warning. Be warning people. Like that flash of a, of a monitor in the in the in the airport, boarding now, boarding, boarding now, right? Not anything short of you and I realizing the reason that we're here is to be warning, because he says it twice. He says, Ad -ad admonish, and, 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 and those that are warning, and it's like esteem that, and, and, and not only esteem that, but live that, live that life of, of warning, knowing their souls Souls, you know, on every flight, if that flight, God forbid, gets into trouble, they're, they're, gets into trouble, they're known as the number of souls that are on board. There's souls in the balance. You guys, in your life, in, in your family, in your immediate family, your extended family, in your, in, in your, in your community, in your, in your neighborhood, and we're here to bring warning. We're not to despise that warning. He says, don't despise that warning. And a lot of us are. A lot of us are like, um, 
Just let him be. Just let him be, Bob. Just, just let him be. They don't want to hear it. The worst thing we could do. Why is that the worst? Because that's the most unloving thing we could do, realizing the consequences of missing this flight. Realizing the consequences of missing. We need to be, be warning. Well, you warn, Bob. We're paying you to warn them. I am not going to get around to everyone. I'm doing my best, but I, I'm not. You're going to get around to more than I'm getting around to. I seem to get caught here. You're out there. Are you out there warning? Be warning. Okay, now bookend that with me with number two. Beatitude number two in the end times is to be comforting in your warning. Comforting. I'm not making it up. It's exactly the list here. Look at verse 14 again. We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly and comfort So be warning. Secondly, be comforting. Be comforting means to admonish, to console, to encourage, to spur on. We're to spur on, to spur one another on to good deeds, to good works, to the glory of God. It really means to motivate. I'm here to motivate. You're here to receive that and then go and motivate others to comfort them. Literally, the word means incentive incentive to show them the incentive of getting on this plane before it's too late to be comforting in the very fact that the arms of the Lord Jesus are wide open and he's still receiving people onto this plane get aboard get aboard get aboard get aboard we need to be warning before it's too late we need to be comforting that there's encouragement and incentive to spur and motivate those to not delay this idea but to receive it and to decide thirdly thirdly what's the third one here um, to comfort the vain to uphold the weak we're to be upholding that means simply this you guys even when they blow you off and, and acting like, well, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested, I'm not interested in what you're selling, I don't care, that we would care for them. You would care about their eternity more than they seem to be caring about their eternity, and we wouldn't stop caring because we are upholding. It's literally the word for safeguard, to maintain the safeguard, to defend and preserve and to protect, to champion the cause. That if you want an out, there's an out, and it's Jesus. You don't have to go down in the pile of flames. And we're upholding that cause, even on behalf of people that have either grown weary or decided they could care less. I remember we were witnessing on the streets up in L.A. I think we are on Hollywood Boulevard. It might have been Santa Monica Boulevard. Both are very needy parts of town. And I was a youth pastor at the time. We had a youth group with us. We were handing out tracts, and we were handing out Bibles, and we were feeding the homeless, and we were just serving on the streets. I'm pretty sure Hollywood Boulevard, because we were by the Grauman's Chinese, and I gave a tract to a guy that was sitting there on the corner, and he took it, and he ate it. Started chewing it, and he didn't swallow it. He spit it back. He spit it in my face. He took the the info, ate it, spit it out in my face. It's like, I've never forgotten that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you I've never stopped praying for that guy. Amen. I'm hoping somebody came along, did a better job than I did with maybe a better tasting track. <laughs> I don't know. For him, because we got to uphold this thing. we got to continue. You've had the door slammed in your face if you've stepped out in any way, shape, or form and tried to witness in this world. Maybe at the beach or at Starbucks or at school or even in your place of work, in your community. 
Uh, yeah, thanks, no thanks, bam, doors closed. We need to continue to champion the cause. We need to continue to be the ones that are praying and upholding and safeguarding and defending the very fact of the matter is that the door is still open and until it's shut, we're to uphold this as the greatest decision and choice and option that the world has before them. And what a leadership vacuum we're living in the midst of right now. I mean, our own nation has got this leadership challenge thing that's going on called impeachment. Canada, where my family's from, certainly has this whole leadership vacuum going on with Justin Trudeau. You could just pop over the Atlantic, go across the pond to Britain, and it's like falling apart and melting before the queen's very eyes. Go a little bit further if you want because Israel still doesn't know who won their election. There is this leadership void and vacuum that is sweeping the planet right now. And what the Lord wants us to be upholding is the very fact that He's in charge and He's on the throne and He's in control and the pilot of this plane, the one that we should be pointing people to as we warn, as we comfort, as we uphold, as we fourthly, what's the fourth one? Be patient with all. Be patient. It would be easy to lose patience with the guy who eats your track, spits it in your face. It'd be easy to lose patience with your neighbor that you keep inviting to churches and has yet to take you up on it. It would have been very easy for the Israelites to grow weary and become impatient in walking around the city walls of Jericho like, seriously, how many times are we going to do this? And yet this word here, macrothumeo, means to remain long suffering in your patience. Macrothumeo, like macrame, that doesn't happen quickly. That's like a patient little exercise from the 70s if you're into macrame. It's like macrothumeo. This is like uh, Gail Irwin fans being long suffering and patient towards those who God has put in front of you to reach. Your barista. The guy at the checkout counter. I got a, I got a, I got a sweet spot and a thing for the fast food folks. And, and sometimes, you know, if we're in line over there, it might be uh, in and out or Taco Bell. And I'm always just, you know, wanting to encourage them, you know, and just like, God loves you. We pulled out of one the other day, and Bond's like, you, you just, those are my peeps. Those are, it's just like, I, whoever the Lord's put in your life to just be patient with and loving towards and upholding this awesome privilege of pointing them to Jesus through comfort and, and, and love, but, but, but warning this is, tr this, is, this is serious stuff. This is, this is reality gut-checked in terms of how we find ourselves living. And then, and then what does he say? Then he says this. Then he, in verse 15, this amazing verse, he says, and see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. So what I pulled out of that to just sort of add to our beatitude list for the last days is to be forgiving because he's like, put the sword down. Don't be rendering evil for, for evil to anybody. But be forgiving. I, I don't know if there could have been a better description of what that looks like 
than what was lived out in that Texas courtroom this week. In this absolute tragedy of an accident when this police officer, she got off work, probably delirious, probably a 16-hour shift, and went to the wrong floor of her condominium project or apartment. I've gone to the wrong floor on a hotel before. I've gotten off on the wrong floor. Bon and I were in Charlotte the other day, and they gave us this, you know, card. They gave for the wrong room. And we're like, there's people in here. And she, and, and, and she gets home thinking she's walking into her own apartment, and there's somebody in there, and she pulls out her revolver and two shots to the chest, and now she's been found guilty of murder and will serve 10 years. And the victim's brother is 18 years old and decided that he wanted in the courtroom to make an impact statement before the judge and the one that has now been condemned and found guilty of murder And you know what he does? How many saw it? He forgave her in the courtroom. If you missed it, here's a little clip. Wow. Come on, church. I mean, more of that, huh? That's what we need. That. Wow. Some 18-year-old kid who's like very uncomfortable in this tie that he's wearing to court. It just delivers the message of the gospel in a powerful way. It says, I, f- I forgive you. Jesus puts it this way. Uh, 70 times 7 because Peter's like feeling all good about himself. Lord, you know, if I was to forgive, you know, the guy that's sort of jacking me up and being so all bad and mean to me, you know, what if I, two, three, four, five, six. what if I forgave him seven times? That's impressive. How about that? And Jesus is like, I'm not impressed. I want you to forgive 70 times seven. In other words, stop keeping track. The idea of forgiveness 
isn't to keep track, but to lose count. And just to live this out, to not render evil to anyone, but to forgive. And, 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 and if he saw that lived out, that isn't even the end of it, because as he's embracing her, as he's hugging her, the bailiff comes over, because that could have gone bad. I think that's why there was such a pause. Can I give her a hug? Can I please? And the judge is kind of like, this doesn't happen. Yes, you can. And, 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 and the one now found guilty just bawls, just weeps as he hugs her, as he holds her. And you know what happens next? The judge gets up from her bench. The judge gets up and takes with her her family Bible that's sitting on the bench with the judge. And the judge comes around and embraces the two of them, this picture of both justice and mercy that's embracing in this courtroom. And the judge opens the Bible and literally reads for the one that has now been found guilty, reads to her John 3.16. And helps her to see it in the midst of her bawling tears. Like, do you see what it says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him, you see this? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message of the cross. That is the power of the love of God. That is the hope of the gospel lived out in the courtroom. Now, judge is getting sued. Because you have a wave of a world of a majority that doesn't want to see that displayed and lived out. And I am so grateful it wasn't buried in the news like every network carried it. And it's all over social media. And I'm just telling you, this is what we need to be known for. The love and the forgiveness and not running out of patience, but continuing to be upholding and comforting and, yes, warning people. This thing's about to take off, and you don't want to be left behind. In fact, that's what he says here. He says, to be pursuing what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Number six is to be pursuing what is good. To pursue, what does that mean? It means chase after it, church, with all that you've got. To be running after this, to be trailing after what is good. And I know that that will put you on the path less traveled, but we're to track after and pursue what is, what is good. And, and, and while we're doing it, look at this, number seven, we're to be rejoicing always. Be rejoicing. If you have the old King James Version, which I pull out from time to time, and actually the older I get, the more I, I just love reading it. I'm not, I'm not you know, but... In the old King James, it says, rejoice evermore. Isn't that beautiful? You know, like rejoicing evermore. We were running out of things to rejoice over. Not if he's at the helm. Not if he's flying the plane. Not if he's on the throne. Not if he's in control. Rejoicing evermore. In other words, your heart for rejoicing is not conditional upon the circumstances of our lives because he's on the throne. And to be rejoicing when? Always. Because, man, you will stand out at work. You will stand out in the community. You will stand out in the waiting room at the doctor's office if you, in the midst of some pretty negative and bad reports, are still rejoicing 
in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. For again, I say rejoice. You see, you, you, you can't do these things isolated in themselves, but they build on each other. And the next one that you read shows you how to pull off the one that you've just read about. And the next one is what? To pray without ceasing. That's what keeps this instrument panel full instead of on reserve that we're able to rejoice evermore and in all things and we're able to pursue what is good and to live this forgiveness out before a watching world that would rather, rather what? Would rather render evil for evil. We're to pray. We're to pray without ceasing. So that, so that isn't sort of like a little 10-minute devo at the start of your day with your head bowed and your eyes closed and your hands folded. It, it means that it's an ongoing conversation throughout every day that never comes to an end. This praying without ceasing and, and praying earnestly for these things and, and these opportunities to, to plant seeds and to encourage and to be patient and to show forgiveness and to uphold the cause and to champion people into the kingdom of God. Prayer is the lifeline. Prayer is the power. Prayer is the key for all that. But so oftentimes, prayer just becomes about us and me and my needs. And, 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 and In fact, turn to Matthew 5 with me real quick, church. Would you just turn over to Matthew chapter 5? There is this principle throughout Scripture called the principle of first usage. And if you can find in Scripture the first usage of a word and see it in context, it is going to actually give you the theme for how that word should be seen in all of Scripture. It's called the principle of first usage. So the first time that the word pray shows up in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And then is to be the thread or theme to which we then see prayer being lived out throughout all of the other pages to follow. So, so just, just track with me how prayer is first used and seen in the New Testament Scriptures. Look at verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. You got it? Say, got it? You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, what, what? Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for yourself. Oh, sorry. Uh, pray for your own needs. Oh, sorry. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Why in the world? Why would I do that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Heavy, but so true. And a bit of a barometer, is it not? Just a check of the instrument panel as to whether or not all of my prayers seem to revolve around me, center of the universe, me, instead of the prayer that's going out from me as a ministry to others. The tree never eats of its own fruit. The tree is tapped into the source and strength through its root system to have all of its needs met and provided. And then the fruit 
is for the blessing of others. Begin to see prayer that way as an opportunity for you to be a blessing for others, even those that have in the most harmful of ways treated you poorly, spitefully used you, that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. Be praying like that, church, in the last days, for that is where the power is at. That is your booster rocket to be linked directly your spirit with his spirit, your heart with his heart, your mind with his mind, praying earnestly like this. Number nine. Number nine, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is what? Well, it's that be thankful in everything Give thanks. In everything be praying. In everything be rejoicing. In everything be forgiving. In everything be patient. In everything be upholding. In everything comforting. In everything warning. For this is the will of God for you. Be thankful. That will set you apart. That will cause for people to lean in and, and, and listen to your story when it's a story of thankfulness, when it's a story of prayerfulness, when it's a story of rejoicing. And then he gives us a list of things not to be a part of, sort of like the not-to-be attitudes. <laughs> Just a few. He's like, don't be quenching the Spirit. Don't be taking even this moment right now where the Spirit is just tangibly present in the room and stirring us. Oh, wow, Lord, if you could just by your grace move that dial on my instrument panel to be a bit more forgiving, a bit more patient, Lord, a bit more upholding and championing of this cause. Because the last thing you want to do is quench the Spirit. You don't want to put a kink in the hose. Nor do you want to despise the prophecies. As sadly Rob Bell is doing, as sadly this book of just, you know, you're missing it all and loving the fact that we missed it all. Are you kidding me? Seriously. Don't be despising the prophecies and don't be quenching the Spirit. And then he says in verse 21, test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So just real quickly, here they are. Don't be extinguishing the Spirit. Don't be despising the prophecies. And then thirdly, I put it this way. Don't be assuming don't be assuming that everything I'm saying up here is right. You know, he's like, that's what I loved about the barley harvest. People were like, I've never seen the barley harvest before connected like that. I got to jump in. You jumped in, you studied, you connect your own dots, and now you're making plaques. Team barley, you're making shirts. Team barley, you like got into it, studied it like the Bereans instead of just assuming. And then fourthly, what's he say? He says, don't be indulging. And it would really be easy. You just eat, drink, and be merry, man, for tomorrow we die. Let's just party it up. Don't be indulging in the flesh in these last days. Rather, here's just ultimately the theme of a message like this as he wraps up the book. It's about obedience, isn't it? It's about whether or not we are obeying. Because here's what he calls us to. Here's how he wants us to live. Here's how he wants us to shine. Here's the flavor of the saltiness that makes the world around you thirsty for the things of the Lord. How can you be thankful in this doctor's report? How can you be joyful? How can you be forgiving when persons stabbed you in the back like that? Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's the Lord in my life. I'm just being obedient to him. In fact, that word obey, you can't spell it without the word be right in the middle. This is who we're to be. In times, be attitudes is a call to obedience. 
And a call not to be those that are extinguishing the Spirit or despising the prophecies or just assuming it will all work out somehow fine in the end. Just kind of leave it up to chance and tarot cards. I very, very, very much appreciate and love the fact that he doesn't push us into the deep end of the pool here in the last days and say, good luck with that. I love the fact that he provides for us the ability to accomplish what he has called us to live out. He does, doesn't he? Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, how? How? How, how? how can this God of peace sanctify me completely? How can he make me blameless in every part of my being? Your three parts, body, soul, and spirit. You were made in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have three parts to you, body, soul, and spirit. And all of them he desires to be preserved, blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How? Next verse. He who calls you is faithful. And also will do it. He will preserve your psyche, your soul. He will preserve your spirit, blameless. He will, he will preserve your body that although falls into the grave and begins to decay, will rise again at the sound of the trumpet. It's not something you can do. As much as you try, muster it all you want. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So let him do it. Let him be God. Let him drive the train. Let him steer the bus. Let him be the pilot. As you submit and surrender your life, every time you step onto that plane, you do. I'm putting my life into, you know, it's like a, a pilot is very much like a pastor. I don't care how many years you've been at this, mister. You're only as good as your next landing. And here the Lord is saying, trust me, jump aboard. And Paul's like, pray for us, pray, pray for us. And, and, and greet the brethren with a holy kiss, like share this, love this. Be community around these end times beatitudes, for I charge you by the Lord that this epistle is to be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. Amen? Amen. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the book of 1 Thessalonians, for how we have grown and a fresh perspective that you have placed before us where end times living is concerned. Now, would you seal the deal for us? and sanctify us completely, body, soul, and spirit, through the elements that are set before us this morning. This bread that represents your body is what sanctifies us. This blood, this juice, this gift of you allowing the preciousness of all that you are, your perfection, your sinless blood to be shed for us, 
It's your body that sanctifies and it's your blood that preserves us blameless. May this meal knit our hearts with yours inseparably, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Flight attendants are going to come forward and serve you of this holy meal of God's love. I pray that you'd receive it in faith for all that it represents and you'd be ready for liftoff. You'd be ready for takeoff. And in the time in which we wait for that, these beatitudes we would bring before God as our offering this morning and saying, Lord, use me for your glory. For it is your scars and stripes that have healed me and made me now a vessel that you can use for your glory. And so, as Willie sings, would you worship the Lord in thankfulness, rejoicing that he is able to complete and perfect in us the work that he has begun. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.